Mendy here from the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. The Triple Play Fantasy Football Show is live. Let's go. D. Mendy here, back with you all for another episode. And uh, where is everybody? They they left me all alone. <laughs> My crew just decided to leave out on me, but it's all good. Because we have the big guns in tonight. And instead of the Brad Stradamus, instead of Johnny Foosball, instead of the Doc, I want to introduce my guests here. And the first guy I want to introduce, this guy, joining the Triple Play Pod for a record third time, a fantasy analyst for Primetime Sports Talk, New Life Fantasy, and the Fantasy Six Pack, this Buffalo is this Buffalo graduate is a father, a writer, a teacher, and not just in school, but schooling you with this fantasy pros rankings. He's host of the Mile High Salute podcast and man of the bow tie. I promise I'm done because we are talking to Jacob Dunn. <laughs> My goodness, dude. You always give me such fire intros and I can't even live up to it, man. I appreciate that a lot about you, David. I appreciate being on the show. Thank you so much for having me on. Like you said, I love my buffs. Got to rep the holiday sweater, and I'm drinking some holiday nog, homemade. Oh, so man, I'm so jealous of that. The the horse cheers. neigh come through with the uh, the sound. What was that? Did you hear the horse neigh for the Broncos? Did that come through? I did through? not. No, I did not. Okay, well, we'll get that fixed. But, Jacob, I feel like if I have you on much more, I'm going to have to pay you for your services because – You've come in and uh, been a good part of this show, so I'd have to put you on the payroll in the future. I would never charge you, brother. Free of charge, <laughs> always. I want to bring on, talk about our other guests here. And so joining us this week, he's a senior fantasy football analyst at the FTN Network, where he also doubles as the host of Chalk Fade and FTN Fantasy, an FSWA member and co-author of the best-selling fantasy football black book series. His takes, he projects to the masses. His fandom to the fighting Taysom Hills, a man that knows good Southern cooking, and he ain't sorry about his Cam Akers and Will Fuller standships. We're talking to Derek Brown. Derek, what's going on, man? <laughs> that was a fantastic intro. Uh, far too kind. Uh, very, very truthful. Um, my Will Fuller love has been wounded. I have been bodied by life. 2020 continues to roll on. It is undefeated. But yeah, thanks for having me, man. This is going to be a blast. No, I, mean, I was really happy to get you on here, and I it was kind of bad because uh, I was ready to talk about, like, you should be taking your Will Fuller victory laps when I originally wrote the script, and I was like, <sighs> are you just talking down to everybody? And then I was like, that's, that is like the worst time possible yeah. for you. So, Dude, like, what, it, what are you was, telling all those people? <laughs> it was rough. Like, right after the news got announced, I'm getting added on Twitter constantly, and people are like, has anybody checked on this man? And I'm like... <laughs> I just like started posting videos of I'm dead. My body, uh, my spirit has left my body. I don't know what to do. Uh, yeah, I was out in the streets talking about Will Fuller way back when in the summer, way before then. Um, look, I, it is what it is, man. Like I said, 2020 is undefeated. 
another one bites the dust. We roll on, man. But uh, it, it's going to be a really interesting what happens to Fuller with all of this moving into it's a contract year and where he goes. Um, so I, even though I have been hurt, I have been wounded by all of this news. I'm still here. I'm still kicking. That's right. Well, we're going to need that kicking from you, and we're going to need that kicking from Mr. Jacob Dunn here because in the huddle today, we have players that are going to make or break you in the fantasy playoffs. And the fantasy playoffs in most leagues begin in two weeks. So heading into week 13, we need to make these last final tune-ups on our rosters to get ready and figure out who we want to run out there come the most important time in the season. So there's a lot of guys there that might have you uh, scratching your head a little bit, so we're here to help with that problem. After that, we'll go to our question of the week. How long would it take you to throw for a thousand yards? And as always, we have our game of the week revealed at the end of the show. But first, let's get to our news and notes. First bit of news here. Will Fuller has been suspended six games by the NFL for the violation of the league's performance enhancing drug policy. Fuller Mm -hmm. announces suspension via his Instagram, explaining that he had taken a medication he believed was permitted by league policy, but later learned it did not. So, uh, Derek, I know we touched on it. I got to grill you one more time. What do you what do you think of this? This is your guy. This is I mean, it's a little bit of craziness. I mean, we're in the year of 2020 like I'm talking about, man. Like you're telling me that there is no place a website somewhere or another like where it's posted or things that you can take and you can't take. And apparently him and Bradley Roby who also got suspended must share the same physician and ailment because they're both <laughs> they're both out the door, man. So I don't know what Ryan the Cushing. hell is going on in Houston. Ryan ah, but it's 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 craziness. It's absolute craziness. Um, I, I think it's definitely going to hit uh, the Houston passing attack. Um, I mean, th- th- who who else? What bodies do they have left? I mean, Fuller's gone. They released Kenny Stills. Uh, Randall Cobb is out for a few weeks. Yes, mm-hmm. I know we talk about and people have mentioned Kiki Kuti, and it's like uh, we've tried to make him a thing. Uh, I know Bill O'Brien's gone, but he still wasn't a thing on Thanksgiving. So. I, I think it might open the door for Jordan Akins. I'm really curious on, uh, are we going to see more targets funneled to him? He's played about 50%-ish out of the slot this year. I definitely think if there's any way that gets a bump for Fuller being gone, because now Brandon Cooks is going to have to deal with primary coverage. Defenses are going to key on him, whether they bracket him. Um, I got a lot of love for their offensive coordinator down there. Tim Kelly's doing some good things. Um but it's going to be more difficult sledding for Deshaun Watson weekly. But I, I'm very mm-hmm. curious on how they're going to utilize uh, Jordan Aikens moving forward. That's a, such a spicy subject. And whenever I hear like uh, the Jordan Aikens name, I just pretty much like I just want to like do this because I like I want to bleep it out because <laughs> right. he dropped two touchdowns on Thanksgiving. Everybody played him in their DFS lineups and their season long. He just screwed everybody over. And I don't know yep. if he can actually be the guy. And he's got the talent, man. I mean, we've seen them utilize the tight end position. He put up 80 yards in the week before that. I think it's just, look, I mean, he only got two targets. If they'd have fed him more opportunities, uh, he ran the most routes. I think it was, he ran 17 routes. Cahill wearing only ran three. So they wanted to be the guy. I, I, I think he's got the talent to sit here and produce so they can feed him some more volume. I mean, like I said, he only got two targets. So you got to give the man more opportunities than that. I agree. And uh, our guy Kevin hopping in here. Jacob, my man's grinding. Two podcasts today. That's how he does. My Jacob, I'll stay, I'll stay with you. What are your thoughts with this whole Texan situation? Yeah, it's such a crushing blow, um, especially because I was fading Fuller. So I was pretty much the opposite of Derek. I was like, I cannot trust those hamstrings. Those hamstrings are made of glass. I mean, I feel like 
to every time someone drafts him, he kills it for like four weeks and then he's out. Um, so, I mean, I guess the PEDs kind of explain why he was healthy the whole season. You know, I just, you know, per, you know, whether or not he knew it, I mean, your fancy team pretty much, you know, he won you a ton of weeks. So it's a mm-hmm. crushing blow, not only to him, but to, like Derek said, Deshaun Watson's fantasy value, you know, like Watson was already struggling to begin the year without DeAndre Hopkins after the trade. Now he lost another wide receiver one. So I, I like Brandon cooks, but he's not a number one in my eyes. You know, he excels when there's, when there's a better wide out on the other side, this is a huge blow to the whole Texans offense who was hitting their stride after winning two straight. So yeah, it's a bummer. And yeah, that a note if you have Deshaun Watson plays Indy two of the next three weeks. Oof. Yeah, that's tough. Not, he has another tough matchup in there too. I I just can't think of the top of my head who it is, but it's a bad three game stretch. Mm. Let's go to our next bit of news here. And if unless you live under a rock, you know the Ravens COVID outbreak has been the worst the NFL has seen this season. The game has been moved now to Wednesday after three postponements. So Jacob, I'll start with you for this one. Do you think this is a sign of bad things to come for the rest of the season for the NFL? Oh my goodness. At this point, I'd be surprised if the game is actually played. I mean, it's affecting next week's games tremendously. And let's say a random player in one of those rescheduled games gets COVID. It'll just be utter chaos and it's going to cause a ripple effect. I mean, I just think the NFL should just call the game off and, and reward the Steelers, the victory. And it would just save a lot of misery, a lot of rescheduling, a lot of just a lot of risk. I agree. And to be honest, I'm not just wearing this hat because it's cold in Baltimore right now. I have my mask right by my desk because it's the, it's really bad here. Mm. And so it's, I wasn't surprised when there was a big outbreak because you check out the bars, you check out everything. No one was following protocols here. So uh, it's not fun. But Derek, what do you got to add um, for the Ravens situation here? I mean, they had their first day, a first round of negative tests. I think what it was out of the last nine days today. So, I mean, you, you want to take something positive away from that. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a mess. I mean, we're all living, you know, COVID life right now. Mm-hmm. I think it just shows you that like, the choices that we all make and, and how those impact others. I mean, while all of this stemmed from a strength coach uh, supposedly having symptoms, not wearing a mask, and how this just spread like wildfire through an entire roster, you know. So if they continue to have negative tests, um, I mean, I, I get the NFL wanting to press forward through the game. I am definitely – I am not the, the master medical director of all things NFL with protocols and things of that nature. I think if you just chalk it up to – there's risk associated with playing under these conditions with the NFL season as is. And we, we all absorb a certain amount of that risk. I mean, we all absorb a certain amount of risk just walking out our front door. So mm-hmm. I think people just got to make smart decisions and continue to follow protocols and, and hopefully, you know, season keeps trucking on. Well said. And then let's move to our last bit of notes. And this one's just for you, Jacob. <laughs> the Denver Broncos played a game without a quarterback on Sunday, got blown out by the saints I'm just curious with everything that happened with the Ravens. Derek, I'll start with you. And Jacob, I'll let you put the cherry on top. Should the NFL have let this game happen or should they have postponed it? I mean, I think you should let it happen. I mean, here, I, I get it's it's horrible for a roster and stuff like that. But like I said, we're all just trying to deal with this. And I, this could happen to any single NFL team. This could happen to any roster. Like, 
I mean, it's just the times that we're living in. So we were talking about like, okay, well, they don't have a quarterback to play. Dude, that could have happened to the Saints. It could happen to any NFL team. So at what point is it like, okay, well, you've got a lot. I mean, outside of your quarterback room, the rest of your roster is healthy. They're not testing positive. So push on with the game. Like, I understand that. But if if we would have said this like it wasn't a COVID thing and you had two to three different quarterbacks go down with certain injuries and you were playing even with a practice squad quarterback that you just signed off the street three days before the game, would the game still go on? Yeah. So, I, you know, it, it sucks. I'm not going to say that it doesn't. And it hurts the Broncos because, like, there was no way, shape, form, or fashion they were going to win that game or, or move the ball. I mean, it just was not going to happen, not versus the Saints defense, not versus the junior high school defense. So I, I, I get it really, really sucks. But, yeah, I think the game should have happened. Jacob, this is your squad. I watched the game. I felt the pain even as a division Ooh. rival. Uh, <laughs> what were your thoughts about this? You know, it's funny. Even though I live in – Broncos country I I'm not that upset over it because like I just feel like I don't believe there could have been a better way to handle it because it was just a quarterback room you know it's not like multiple players were hit on the line wide out and then you know this or that I mean it was just the quarterback room so it's like okay all you quarterbacks you didn't wear a mask I feel like the NFL was almost punishing the Broncos it's like well you weren't wearing a mask so we're just gonna go on with the game but you know at the same time it's just, it's 2020. It is what it is. You know, like we have to play with a undrafted wide receiver, uh, you know, like Kendall Hinton, uh, Kendall Hinton and hats off to him, you know, like to go from a fringe practice squad player to starting out of position in an NFL game, that is no easy task. I mean, he proved that it was no easy task, but still he gave it all he had. So much respect to that man. And as far as the game went, I mean, it was extremely painful to watch. Uh, I'm not sure why the Broncos ran an RPO offense when there was absolutely no threat of passing. The offense should have just been hinting either running the ball or handing it off. I'm not sure why he didn't run more. You know, all he did was all he did was hand the ball off, which the Saints absolutely knew what he was doing. Like there was no threat of anything else. So it was just it was very weird but it was very 2020. <laughs> Jacob, see, this is why we're friends because you can still love your team, but be objective. And I love it. Absolutely. Cause I, I think, think most the Broncos interesting fans... thing that we haven't talked about here is that Fangio even came out to the media and just let his roster have it too. Right. Like he wasn't even mm-hmm. nice about it. He was like, look, y'all screwed the hell up. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what's up. And I think some of the head coaches words and the fact that he wasn't, you know, I mean like, in the media, and Fangio is known as like a player's coach. Like he's all in the trenches. He's all about it, man. Right. And if he is willing to sit here and come out in the media and be like, I screwed up. That's what's up. Like that, I think that tells us that speaks volumes on top of all of this, too. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, well said, gentlemen. With that being said, if you like hearing these two fine gentlemen speak, you like what you hear so far, make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more triple play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy baseball and a fantasy basketball show that you can check out. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about lighting up the Apple Podcast app with a five-star rating and review of the show? Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TripPlayFantasy. Eric and Brad run our social media and provide daily questions, annoying gifts, and of course, our weekly episode drops. So guys, story time. I heard that divers went in the ocean yesterday and they found the lost city of Atlantis. So stay with me on this one. 
They met a lot of mermaids and some mermen. The city was beautiful and so clean and futuristic. There was one thing that divers found, and it was a treasure chest. Now, it wasn't easy, but the divers were able to sneak in without being seen and and brought the treasure chest out, brought it up to surface. They hammered it open, and when they got up and they saw what was inside, do you guess what they found? They found the Triple Play podcast feed, T-shirts as far as the eye could see. It says merch and Triple Play products everywhere. I don't make this stuff up. It's in the news. Look it up. Wow. We have fans down there, so you should be too. We want to keep you entertained, but it starts with you. Thank you, the loyal player, for your listens each and every week. All right. Wow. With- <laughs> With that, that, was, that was a professional transition. I like that. Oh, great. That nice. Yep. I appreciate that, guys. <laughs> Let's move now to the best part of the show. Let's get to the main content here. Oh, yeah. This doesn't get you pumped up. I don't want to be friends with you. Mm. All right. And all right. So we are looking now at players that are going to make or break you in the fantasy playoffs. As I said before, two weeks before the fantasy playoffs, we got to fine tune your rosters a little bit. Decide if we're going to bench these guys, we're going to drop these guys, we're going to plug them in our lineups. These are kind of borderline plays that are getting a lot of uh, those questions sent to fantasy analysts about. So let's dive right in with the quarterbacks first. And Derek, I'll start with you for this first guy, and that's Matt Ryan. And he right now is a borderline play. I think he was uh, quarterback 13 in standard leagues going into this week. So I'm curious, if you have Matt Ryan on your team, are you looking to kind of ride it out with him or are you looking at other options? I'm I'm honestly willing to drop him at this point. Um, I think that he is going to be rough over the next few weeks because this season, if Ryan is missing one of Calvin Ridley or Julio, he has just turned to dust. He's been terrible, absolutely horrible. And the the but the bigger issue here is that Ryan under pressure has been a quarterback that you cannot start. He has been atrocious. And you look at his remaining schedule, like all the way through the rest of the regular season. The next few defenses that he faces, this is their res- their ranking and pressure, their pressure rate that they brought. New Orleans is third. The Chargers are middle of the road. They're 16th. Tampa Bay is fifth. Kansas City is seventh. And Tampa Bay, they face again, is fifth. Uh, Ryan is going to be under duress. He is going to wilt and fall apart like a wet paper doll. And he's already shown this this, this season. Like amongst 50 quarterbacks with 20 or more dropbacks. This man is ranked 31st in adjusted completion percentage while under pressure and 23rd in passer rating. I want nothing to do with Matt Ryan. I will drop him. I will stream quarterbacks. If you even told me Sam Darnold going up against the damn Raiders or a whore, a great matchup, I will play Darnold over Ryan. Ryan is overrated. If he's under pressure, he is going to crash your entire fantasy season. Derek, that's spicy, and that's why I love that you're on the show right now. I'm here for all of that. That is awesome. Jacob, what do you think about Matt Ryan? That was extremely spicy. And I th- I think you've convinced me, Derek. I do I do like the fact that weeks 14, 15, and 16, you know, he's facing the Chargers, who Justin Herbert should be throwing all over that Falcons defense, which makes Matt Ryan have to play catch up. So I like that possibility there, you know, in um and then in week 15, I mean I'm a fan of the negative game script. Like Matt Ryan's going to have a negative game script all playoff long, which means he has a safe floor to me. Um, I, you know, if there was a quarterback with a better matchup, I would start 
him over Ryan as long as, you know, if Julio's starting or if Julio and Ridley is starting, it'll be hard for me to bench Ryan because I really like a negative game script and he can easily come back with those weapons. But if one of those are out, like you said, Derek, I mean, he falters, he falls down, he looks awful. So if one of those players are out, I would definitely consider benching him. Uh, so a couple stats I wrote down his last five weeks, he has six touchdowns and five interceptions under 300 passing yards in four straight weeks and under 250 passing yards in his last two games. He has a quarterback rating of 85 or under in three of his last four games. And like you guys touched on without Julio, I don't trust him without Ridley. I don't trust him. He needs both of them. And they're yeah. both ever proven to stay healthy together consistently. He does have a matchup against the Raiders this, or he had a matchup against the Raiders this past week and they put up 43 points and he did nothing in that to help right. that 43. So if you're telling me he has that great matchup, they put up 43 points and he doesn't do anything in that game. I'm out on him and I'm okay if he goes off because the, right now, uh, he hasn't shown you that you can trust him. So I, I'm with everything you guys said for that. Let's move to the next guy here, and that's Lamar Jackson, who was temp- who was quarterback one uh, last year, and he was taken over Mahomes in a lot of drafts this year, uh, overdrafted in some. And I'm curious, Jacob, what are your thoughts if you have Lamar Jackson? The trade deadline is coming and gone, so you can't necessarily trade him. If you have an option like Justin Herbert, or if you have even a lesser option, um, are you confident in playing Lamar Jackson in any type of situation? So I am very much a floor guy. And I think that Lamar Jackson boasts one of the highest floors, you know, in the quarterback position, despite, despite like a subpar year and he's not putting up those video game stats. He's, he's still a weekly top 10 option to me. You know, he's averaging 57 and a half rushing yards per game and has three rushing touchdowns on the season you know you can automatically bank on six to ten points each week on the ground alone of course the problem is his passing but that's still it still hasn't been awful he's just not doing a ton of it you know he's completing 63 percent of his passes and averaging almost 200 yards a game you know with a 15 to 6 touchdown to interception ratio that's not terrible you know he faces Cleveland he faces the Jacksonville Jaguars in week 15 and he closes it out against the Giants so I like Lamar Jackson's rest of season outlook despite his subpar play this season Derek what are you drinking my man oh it's whiskey uh uh, usually if I'm not going the top shelf stuff uh like Eagle Rare or Angel's Envy or something like that Mm. it's honey, honey whiskey so I'm rolling with some cheap honey whiskey tonight so Jacob's got his eggnog. You've got your honey whiskey, and I just have water. What am I doing with my life right now? I, I, I don't know, man. Like, you didn't come prepared? Come on, uh, man. Come on, come man. On. I, I'm, I'm a screw-up, man. It's cold I, just, outside. you got to stay warm mm-hmm. somehow. Besides I'm taking the notes. beanie. I'm taking notes from the pros here as, uh, as we're podcasting here. So, uh, Derek, I'll stay with you. What are your thoughts on Lamar Jackson? I don't think you're going to find a better option on the waiver wire, both for ceiling and floor. I mean, Lamar has been bad this year as a passer. There is no doubting that. I mean, the guy is 26th and on target percentage. He has the 12th highest bad throw percentage in the NFL amongst quarterbacks. So as a quarterback, he's been not great. Not great at all. Those are not good numbers, Bob. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but 
if you look at him as a runner and the matchups he has coming up, whether or what they do with that Cowboys game, I think they'll probably play it. That's obviously a fantastic matchup for mm-hmm. him on the ground. Whatever he does as a passer is obviously great because really playing Lamar at this point, considering what he's doing or what I'm really illuminating to you is what he's not doing as a passer, you're playing him for his rushing equity. I mean, mm-hmm. dude, we just saw Taysom Hill pull his best Tim Tebow impression in Denver and basically do not a damn thing as a passer, but he gets two rushing touchdowns and he falls into a QB 11 week. Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson, for that reason only, is a guy that you're not benching at this point of the season. Not unless you just happen to luck into picking up off of waivers like somebody like a Justin Herbert, who is, right. he's got a top five type ceiling weekly. Besides that, you're rolling with Lamar. I mean, Dallas, you're not worried about them on the ground. Cleveland, he can get over on them. If we're looking at passing matchups that add to that floor, Jacksonville doesn't have a damn corner to save their life. Like, they're rolling out guys that can't cover for shit at this point. <laughs> um, And then you look at the Giants he gets in the Fantasy Championship mm-hmm. week. If they're going to – let's just – and we're, we're, we're prophesizing here. If they get Mark Andrews back and – They can get Marquise Hollywood-Brown off of Bradbury, which is not hard because they move him around the formation. I think Lamar Jackson is going to pull in some top 10, top 12 weeks. I think Mm -hmm. that you can't bench him. Your options are probably not better with what you have on your bench or what's on the waiver wire. So, yeah, you got to stick with Lamar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Derek, you you hit on what I was going to say. His schedule is really juicy. But he has – you look at the yards. He's thrown for 200 only twice since week two. But you look at his rushing volume, he has 11 or more attempts in four straight games. His schedule, as Derek said, does soften up a little bit. So, uh, I mean, I'm in on him. I actually traded uh, Josh Allen for him. And that was strictly looking at the, the matchups. That's for their, fine. Uh, Allen's playoff. schedule is terrible. Exactly. Yeah. Horrible. That, that's yeah. all. I'm buying in on that. Right on. So, we'll hopefully fingers crossed for that one. But let's move to our last quarterback here, and that's Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Ryan Tanner thrill earlier in the season, but hasn't looked too great recently. Derek, what are your thoughts for Ryan Tannehill going forward? I'm willing to ride it with Ryan Tannehill. I mean, the the part about it, what the Titans offense is predicated on with the passing is they don't throw deep. It's all play action and they needs an offensive line to be able to set some of that up with the running game. And, You've seen their offensive line was decimated by injuries. Not this last week, but the week before. Saffa was out. Ben Jones has been banged up. They were also missing another offensive lineman. We know Taylor Juan is lost for the season. I think that Tannehill will go as his offensive line health is going. And with Tannehill, he's not chucking the ball deep right now. Like He's 32nd in deep ball percentage amongst quarterbacks with 10 or more dropbacks right now. So you really look at, okay, Tannehill's matchups moving forward how do these defenses fare versus short area passing? Because it's all yak. It's all based off of play action. So Cleveland this week, I love Tannehill this week. They're 23rd. They're missing Denzel Ward. I don't know if they get Miles Garrett back or not, but they can't pressure worth a shit. It doesn't matter if they have Miles Garrett or not. So mm-hmm. I, I, I love that matchup. Then he gets Jacksonville. I talked about their corners are horrible. They're 14th. Literally, he does not face a, a team that's better than middle of the road on short passing. Like for the rest of the season, Detroit's 19th, Green Bay's 18th. Even if you went to week 17, Houston is 32nd. So I, I'm in on Ryan Tannehill. I think he's got the weapons to do some damage here. I think as long as the offensive line holds up and they have a healthy line rolling down the stretch, 
I think Ryan Tannehill is going to be a top 12 quarterback for you. So, Jacob, I'll let you hop in in a second. I am curious, Derek. So, four touchdowns in his, in his last three games. Obviously, he slowed down. But are you concerned mm-hmm. at all for the horse in the backfield, Derek Henry? It, it is Derek Henry, Henry season right now. Like, it, when it gets cold, uh, you hear him outside. It's it's his time. And he has Cleveland, <laughs> Jacksonville, yeah. Detroit, Green Bay, and Houston, all teams that are god-awful against the run. I'm just wondering if they're just be like Derrick Henry, 30 carries a game here on out. Mm. Uh, take us, ride us in. Like, are, are you concerned about that at all? I'm a little bit concerned about that, but you've seen some weeks where Derrick Henry is smashed and so Ryan, so has Ryan Tannehill. Like if the Titans put up points, even their low volume passing offense, Ryan Tannehill still put up some good numbers, man. So I think that there's a ceiling for both of them. Because if Ryan Tannehill gets there, it's based off of A.J. Brown taking like short screens or middle of the defense passes all the way to the damn house. So I think that, yes, your point is absolutely valid. Like, I was in on the big dog last week. I'm in on the big dog all the rest of the season. Maybe not this week because Cleveland is actually pretty damn good at stopping the run. But I, I firmly understand the process here because Derrick Henry can smash them in the mouth. The, the, the thing that you look for to be able to be in on Ryan Tannehill with those offenses is can those offenses push the Titans on the other side to do something besides just run the ball? The Packers can do that. Uh, Watson in, in Week 17, we think that he can do that. The Titans' defense is not something that you need to fear. Detroit, if we get Kenny Galladay back and Stafford has a full host of weapons to throw to, they can do that as well. Now, Jacksonville, yes, they're left for dead. I'm not <laughs> Derrick Henry can run all over them. He always destroys but, Jacksonville. But Cleveland this week, they have the weapons. They got Nick Chubb. They can push the Titans to throw the ball and do something besides just hand it off to Derrick Henry 30 times a game and play slow. So um, part of it is diving into the offenses on the other side of the ball, and will they be able to push the Titans to do something besides just run the damn ball. Jacob, what do you think for Ryan Tannehill? Yeah, I think Tannehill is um, is super interesting. He started out hot, like you said, David, for the first six weeks, averaging 24 fantasy points a game until he went to the tough part of his schedule, struggling against top-notch defenses like the Steelers, Bears, and the Colts. You know, he's back to producing low-end quarter quarterback won numbers and has a very easy playoff schedule facing like you guys said the Jags the Lions the Packers I mean the Jags have proven that they are at least a little bit competitive despite the quarterback turnover and I I only like to start the fantasy quarterbacks when I know that they're going to be in a competitive game because like you said if they're not Henry's just going to take all the carries and Tannehill's he's going to have like a 10 for 15 day for a hundred yards and maybe a touchdown, you know? So I like the teams to be at least a little bit competitive, which the Jaguars are proving to be, you know, especially with James Robinson, he's keeping them in games right now. Uh, And I think that the lions should play inspired football, you know, for at least the rest of the season with Matt Patricia gone. So I think that they make it a game as well. Um, If you make it to week 16 for your championship game with Tannehill fantasy owners should be rejoicing because Tannehill has a date with Aaron Rodgers Mm. where, where he should be asked to throw a ton that game. I mean, we did see that David Montgomery ran all over them and, but a big chunk of that yardage came from one play. Uh, So I do think that Tannehill throws a ton in your championship game. So I am definitely willing to 
play him in smash spots at, and and just ride him to the championship. Love that. And Jacob, you know, you should be the host of this show because you just gave us the perfect segue to the next guy on this list, the running back, David Montgomery. Here we go. So it's just like you weren't <laughs> even planning it. But, uh, Not even planning let's, it. Let's move to David Montgomery and let's start the running backs here. And Jacob, will stay with you. David Montgomery, as frustrating as they come as far as running backs, maybe you don't have any better options. Maybe you do. Obviously, he's kind of the, the one guy in the backfield now. Um, so if you have David Montgomery, are you playing him with confidence? I am absolutely playing him with confidence. I am a sucker for volume, and Monty is looking at a ton of volume with with the quarterback situation going on right now. I mean, they have no choice but to feed him. And I'm personally not a huge fan of his overall talent, but you can't discount any RB1 on any team. You know, he produced against a bad Packers rush defense last week, like I said earlier, and his playoff schedule is very, very juicy. He's facing the Texans in week 14, the Vikings in week 15, and the Jaguars in week 16. Uh, The Texans are giving up the third most fantasy points to running backs. The Vikings are a middle-of-the-road team, but they can definitely be had. And the Jaguars give up the sixth most fantasy points to running backs. So as long as he's healthy and getting that volume, I trust him as minimum an RB2 for the rest of the season. I thought Juicy was only reserved for Lamar Jackson, but I will allow it. I had to bring that word back, dude. He's Juicy. Okay. All right. I'll allow it. Derek, what what are your thoughts on Mr. Monty? Oh, God, y'all. I I saw his name on the show outline, and I'm like, they're they're just baiting me, man. (laughs) I'm a David Montgomery truther. I love the guy. Here's the thing. The Bears' offensive line is damn terrible. They're mm-hmm. horrible, man. Like, but the thing is, is that the matchups are great for him down the stretch. At this point of the season, who the hell else are you starting over him as far as an RB two? I, I I don't think that he's an RB one, obviously, but as an RB two, who? <laughs> what ghost skeleton, like horrible, like play are you starting over David Montgomery weekly? Yes, the Bears are total trash but they're going to give the ball to David Montgomery and his matchups like Jacob was talking about are great, man. I'm a huge adjuster line yards nut. And, and if you look at even the, the lions this week, 29th and adjusted line yards, Houston is 30th, Minnesota is 28th. I, he, that matchup I, I'm more worried about because they're not as bad as some of their metrics speak to. Like that is a defense that you could pass all over. Their cornerbacks are terrible. So that is a week that I would be a little bit more hesitant when we get to that point in the season. I would maybe be looking at possibly somebody over him. Like if you got somebody like Naheem Hines or somebody like that, like if, if we see a backfield that gets paired off or a backup that's going to get run, that's in a fantastic matchup. Do I start him possibly over David Montgomery? Yes. I mean, at that point, depending on what happens, could you talk me into it? Yes. But Montgomery has Jacksonville, who is 21st and 26th and 2nd in open field yards. Yeah, I think Montgomery for the ceiling and the floor, I think you got to start him weekly. He's probably the best RB2 that you probably have in your roster. At worst, he's a flex. I, I mean, look, the Bears are not great. It's not sexy. I'm not telling you that you don't have to pinch your damn nose whenever you put him in your lineup <laughs> and pray, pray before <laughs> kickoff happens. But... You probably got no better options, man. Yeah, so David Montgomery, let's go. Wow, I, I don't have any David Montgomery this year. I had a lot of him last year, but you guys maybe talked me into maybe 
drafting him next year. <laughs> we'll so see. I don't know. We'll that see. might be might be a bad yeah. idea. <laughs> we'll see. Let, let's go to another guy who I'm kind of at a loss for words because of the hype train he was on. Uh, I was not a truth for, for him, uh, but that's Jonathan Taylor. Hmm. And I'm curious. We'll go back to you, Derek. Jonathan Taylor, this this season has been just a roller coaster. If you have him on your roster, are you even tempting fate and putting him on your in your uh, in your lineup? Oh, it, it it depends, man. It depends on your options right now. The problem with Taylor is he's not breaking tackles. Like we saw that that yes, it looks like the the Colts gave him a little bit more trust and they gave him more carries and he had more of the lion's share of the backfield before he went out with COVID. <laughs> Dude, we don't have a clue what Frank Reich is going to do with his running backs on a weekly freaking basis. Mm-hmm. All we know is that Aheem Hines is going to catch passes, and whoever gets the rushing attempts, we have no damn clue on a weekly basis. I, I, I love the, the matchups he has going forward. I mean, look, he's got Houston if he plays this week. Then he gets the Raiders. Then he gets Houston again. Now, yes, Pittsburgh is really tough, and the Colts are not run blocking like they did in the past. Like Anybody that tells you they got this fantastic offensive line and they're run blocking at the highest rate – Dude, you're looking at last year's metrics because this year's they have sucked. So mm-hmm. I, Jonathan Taylor, it really depends on what options you're staring at on a weekly basis and what you're shooting for. Like, are you looking at ceiling and floor? Because the guy is not breaking tackles. Like, he's 41st in yards after contact per attempt. Um, I, I don't really think that I have to give any other further context to tell you that if he runs into somebody, they tackle him. He falls down. And... <laughs> I didn't see that coming into this season with Jonathan Taylor. I thought he was going to be more elusive. I thought his I, – I loved his tape. I liked him as a prospect coming into this year. Did I end up with a lot of Jonathan Taylor because the equity got high? It got really, really high. Like, I wasn't <laughs> drafting him in the third round. If he right. fell to the fourth, which never happened for me, even in best ball season, I didn't end up with a lot of Taylor. But from what he's shown this year, I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here. The matchups are great. He is very, very worrisome. It really depends on the context of your team. Yeah, and it's interesting with Jonathan Taylor. I didn't end up with a lot of him either, although because his value shot up right before draft season, obviously, like you mentioned, Derek, people looked at last year and they saw the Colts had the best uh, blocking O-line. They're like, okay, he's coming into a great situation uh, with the team that, you know, Marlon Mack, I think people kind of underestimate how good Marlon Mack was. And like, if Marlon Mack can do what he's doing, what's Jonathan Taylor going to do? Right. Uh, the one thing I will say, maybe you look in, you know, he had 22 for 90 and had four catches in week 11, obviously missed last week because of the That was versus protocols. the Packers, though. That's very true. That's a very, yeah. <laughs> just saying. Right. That, that's a very good point. He's averaging 3.8 yards per carry. I'm the only thing I'm curious about, and I, I can say this because I'm not going to have that decision to make, but I wonder if the Colts are going to try to see what they have in him and kind of at the end of the season, just kind of see what he can do, give him a little bit more work. But I, I don't know if I could feel confident playing him. David, I would have the to assumption of rational coaching has sunk many a fantasy roster, my friend. <laughs> I'm only going to say true. that. Just going to say that. That's right. very true. Jacob, what do you think for Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, JT is so tough to gauge. You know, he's a risk. He is a risk to me heading into the fantasy playoffs. And I, and I want to eliminate all risk when the playoffs begin. To me, he doesn't have much upside to justify starting him as anything more than a what the heck flex play. You know, if I have another viable option that has a better matchup, I am I am absolutely benching JT. All right, that's it. fair said. I think 
people will not be playing Jonathan Taylor if they're listening to this pod later on. So no JT for either of you guys. It's, I'm cool with that. Let's move yeah. to our next guy and, and uh, one of Derek's guys here. You're and baiting me again. I see this name on the docket, <laughs> and I feel like this is all just baiting me this whole episode. I'm like, God, man. <laughs> I knew, man. I, I had to get this, these rise. When your voice gets We've really talked about Will Fuller. We've talked about freaking <laughs> – We've talked about David Montgomery. Now we're talking about this guy. Like, all right, I, I get it. it. I get it. So, Jacob, I'll start with you because I'm going to let Derek put the cherry on top for this combo. Derek Aker, or <laughs> Derek Akers, Cam Akers, <laughs> had nine for 84 and a touchdown last week. I've had him on a couple rosters on my bench stashed all season, hoping this was going to happen. Um, he had a touchdown the week before. Also, he's looked like the most effective back, but he's in a three-headed monster timeshare. Sean McVay is the coach who doesn't seem to like to commit. Are they teasing me, Jacob? Are they just like, are they baiting me to put him in and just going to have me punching the wall in my house? Like, what's going to go on with Cam Akers here? You cannot trust him going into the fantasy playoffs. There's just no way. As long as long as Daryl Henderson is alive and he and he is taking away half of his carries, you cannot trust Akers because you can't trust him to bust out a 67 yard run every, you know, like once a game. You know, if he didn't bust out that run, he probably would have just had had as many yards as Daryl Henderson, who only had like 19 yards this game on 10 carries. For some reason, Sean McVay loves to trot out Daryl Henderson and just watch him plod, just run in the mud all game, brings in Akers and Akers is electrifying and then takes him out and goes, oh, I'm bored of Akers. Let's just put Henderson right back in there and let's just not move the ball. It's, it's, it's just, it's extremely maddening. And, and, you know, I'm a little bit upset because I do have him in a dynasty league and I do have him in a redraft league as more of like a lottery stash in hopes that McVeigh would smarten up. I don't know, like a better way to put it, like, you know, but like Derek said about Frank Reich, I mean, you just can't, we're not the head coaches. If we were the head coaches, we'd probably be a lot smarter and just play all of all of our fantasy guys. But there's something that McVeigh sees in Acres. He just doesn't trust him or something. He doesn't trust Acres to block or something. Like I don't know why he why uh, Acres isn't the workhorse back yet. But he's nothing more than a lottery stash to me right now. And they also have, uh, if you if you're watching right now, you can see my arms. But if you can't, it, he's a vulture. They have Mal- Malcolm Brown's a Malcolm vulture Brown. who will who will just go in there and just anytime they're close, that's who they're giving the ball to. So, right. uh, Derek, uh, I know you're itching. Go ahead, tell us about oh, Mr. Akers. Cam Akers is a damn stud, dude. I don't know what else to say about he it. Is. Like he is legit. He's so freaking good. Mm-hmm. When I hear Sean McVay talk about he needs to get better and things he's doing without the ball in his hands. And it's like, okay, well, first of all, put the damn ball in his hands and let the man work. Because amongst 75 running backs with 30 or more rushing attempts, the man is 11th. 11th! He's right behind Miles Sanders and Kareem Hunt in yards after contact per attempt. Hmm. Like, the context of the players around him, the man is good. Give him the damn ball. But... Like we're talking about Sean McVay. Yes, I think it all comes down to pass pro. I don't think that he trusts Akers in it. I think that they trust Malcolm Brown in that role whenever they get down or they are facing teams that can pressure because Jared Goff falls apart. He is basically the younger clone of Matt Ryan. He falls apart under pressure. 
Mm-hmm. And for that reason, as long as unless we get one of these other running backs that go out as talented as Cam Akers is, and he is ridiculously talented. And I want to add on top of all of this, coming out as a prospect, I don't have the numbers in front of me, he was a damn good pass blocker at at Florida State. He got a lot of reps because their offensive line was total shit. So he was always having to pass block for the quarterback at Florida State. He was very, very good, did not allow many pressures when doing so. So I don't know what Sean McVay is looking at, Apparently, he needs to pull a Hugh Jackson and turn on the tape. But uh, this is all to say that, no, you can't cr- trust Cam Akers. And it's not because you can't trust Cam Akers. It's right. because you can't trust Sean McVay to, one, give him snaps, and two, to give him the rushing attempts. Because when you give the man the freaking ball, he makes beautiful and wonderful music and things happen. <laughs> but I don't trust McVay to do that. So, yes, even though I think that he has some good matchups coming up, if injuries were to strike this roster and Malcolm Brown went down, Daryl Henderson went down, and we could say this was even like a two-man backfield mm-hmm. versus a three-man backfield, yeah, would so, I be uh, starting Cam Akers versus the Patriots? Would I be starting Cam Akers versus the Jets, who have the most missed tackles in the NFL? Hell yes, but not as a three-man backfield. You're firing me up, Derek. Yancey's on here. He said, uh, that's our good buddy. <laughs> I guess one of the things you said, that was a bad pun. And then- <laughs> Which one? Yeah, I helped to put it, but then he also said Sean McVay was the next Belichick. I remember that. Those were the days. <laughs> but uh, you know, Derek, anytime your voice like like gets really high like that, like I just want to run through a wall. Like you, you get me pumped up. Uh, I want to move to our last running back here, and we'll go a little quicker with this one. Um, Wayne Gallman, Mister Gallman himself. Uh, he's balling, Mister Gallman, and uh, Derek. I find it hard at this point with the work he's getting that you're going to sit him unless you have three absolute studs at running back. Is that the case? Yeah, you got to start Gallman. And it, is it nasty? Yes. But he's getting the work. He's getting the work inside the five. Right now, the man is tied for the seventh most rushing attempts inside the five-yard line. He's getting those attempts. If we want guys that get touchdowns, it does not matter how many yards he has because if he gets two touchdowns, he's probably going to fall into a top 20 week. So, yes. You start Gallman. It does not matter. And no, I'm not worried about Devontae Freeman coming off the IR, possibly. Not hmm. worried about that. Hmm. Jacob, you agree? I am a little bit worried about Freeman coming Ooh, back just because feed, they signed him. Let's go. I'm just a little bit worried because like because like Freeman was getting the lion's share of touches. Now, I don't believe that they'll give him 15-plus touches like they were earlier in the season once he comes back. I do believe that this will be a split backfield. Even though Freeman's not the future, I don't know why they signed him. They just panicked when Barkley went down. But that's to say, I mean, if this running back crew is getting split touches on a Giants team, that it, I can't think of anything worse than that. Like, I want to stay as far away as possible if Freeman comes back. If Freeman stays down, then, like I said earlier, I love volume, and Gallman gets volume. Now, I'm a little bit worried about Daniel Jones's hamstring injury. I don't think he can move the ball as well if Colt McCoy's the starter. Uh, so I would keep an eye on that. But, you know, even if it is Colt McCoy and it's just Gallman in the backfield, I trust him as a low-end RB2 flex play. All right, that's fair enough. We'll have to see how that kind of transpires here. Let's move to the wide receivers. This first one, let's just be quick with it. Are you? Is there any way you're not playing Michael Thomas? No. Okay, easy enough. Uh, no, I mean, what what better options do you have? Right. No, you're not sitting Michael Thomas. It does not right. matter. No, I, I agree. I think he will. They're gonna have a water boy throwing in freaking passes. It does not freaking matter. 
Start and he has he has led the team in targets in both games. So yeah, if you're playing Michael Thomas, let's get that out of here. Jarvis <laughs> Landry, who I think is a little bit more of an interesting case here. And what I he has 11 targets in two of the four games, uh, last four games, and then they've had a lot of bad weather games, so they weren't throwing the ball recently. And I think people were kind of out on Jarvis Landry where they saw without Odell there. They thought he was kind of just a bust at that point. Uh, but I'm curious, again, looking into his numbers, it looks like the volume is going to be there. So, uh, Jacob, are you playing Jarvis Landry? Look, Landry had an incredible game last week, but let's not forget about the mediocre to awful season he was having before that. You know, I just can't trust any of the wide receivers that's led by Baker Mayfield. You know, he he had a good game last game, but he was facing the Jacksonville Jaguars who were giving up the sixth most fantasy points to wide receivers. So Landry was definitely due and he had the game and he had the game of his life. But I think it's just I think it's just a one hit wonder. And uh, I definitely wouldn't be playing him in the playoffs because he has a date with the Baltimore Ravens in week 14. And then, you know, he goes on to face a very underrated New York Giants team. And then he does have a solid matchup in week in week 16 against the Jets. But if you're starting Landry against the Ravens in week 14, I don't see your team making it past the first round. I'm sorry. All right. That's some hard truth there for Mr. <laughs> Jacob. Derek, what are you thinking? Okay, so here's the thing. It, it, if you're starting Jarvis Landry, what are you starting him as? You're not probably banking on him as a wide receiver two. He's most likely a wide receiver three or a flex for you. At that portion, because, yes, I mean, in, unless you're just injury riddled, which if that's the case, then you're not probably even sniffing the fantasy playoffs anyway. True. If he's a flex for you, yes, I like the volume going forward. Are the matchups extremely concerning but outside of the Jets? I, I, I will not disagree with Jacob about that at all because they are concerning. Baltimore has owned Baker Mayfield every mm-hmm. single time he has stepped onto a right. field. The thing that you like about Landry is, yes, if they're not able to run the ball, they're going to throw it. Even if they throw it 25 times, Jarvis Landry is going to be an integral part of that because since Odell went out, Jarvis Landry has a 31% target share. He is ninth in weighted opportunity. The only wide receivers above him in weighted opportunity, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, Brandon Ayuk, and Justin Jefferson and DK Metcalf. That's it. That's the list. So for the volume that he's getting, for the opportunities that he's getting, especially around the goal line, I I, – I think that you got to roll with Landry, like I'm talking about, as a wide receiver three or a flex. Because if the Browns are passing, yes, if they only throw it 25 times, Landry's still getting you seven to eight targets probably on most weeks. Which in that case, he's wide receiver three or flex viable. Derek, you know you might have triggered some people that have that pet peeve that say when people tweet, that's it. That's the list. (laughs) It is, though! Like, that's, that's the only guys! Like... What else do people want me to say? Like, those those are the guys. These are the names. The nine no, guys above him. That's it. I'm just giving you a hard time, though. I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> hey, at uh, least I didn't say it, and it's not even close, because that's my pet peeve. I will, nah. Gotcha. <laughs> I, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Let's move to the next topic here, and it's a group of three guys, and that's the Bucks wide receivers. If you have any of the Bucks wide receivers, Derek, Give me the give me all three of them in your confidence level in the three guys. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. That's it. Antonio Brown 
Dear God, don't make me. I don't want to. Chris Godwin is probably a wide receiver three. Evans, I think, is a two. Um, Because if you look at what since Antonio Brown has been there, Mike Evans leads the team in target share. If you look at red zone targets with Antonio Brown, it's it's ridiculous. Evans has 12 red zone targets. Godwin has two. Antonio Brown has one. It like Mike Evans is their red zone passing offense. So I, I like Evans. I think that for all the shit that people want to give him about being overrated, about being a volume guy, he's getting red zone looks. He's leading them in target share with these three wide receivers on the field. He has two hands, ten fingers that are not broken, and he can catch <laughs> passes. So he's the guy you got to lean on. I think, like I said, he's a wide receiver too for me. You want to roll with Godwin. Is he going to have low-end two weeks? Yes, but he's better viewed as a low-end wide receiver or mid-wide receiver three. Jacob, what do you think? Rank the three bucks wide receivers in your confidence level in them. So I think it... I think it depends on your scoring format. If this was a PPR league, it's Godwin, 100%. If it's a standard or a half-point PPR, I'm going with... Jacob, the year is 2020. Who the hell is playing standard? What? Well, oh, I who's know, playing I know standard? I have one standard. I can ask about standard. It's- <laughs> oh, my God. Why? <laughs> I wish you were on this show why with... Uh- why I wish you were on this show. Standards? No, do not answer standard questions. You see, you, the only reply you give is... Update your league into the year, yeah. uh, whatever it is. Like, like I wish, I wish no. one of our guys, Johnny Foosball, is a standard league truther. Like he no! does not. Like, no, I would have loved form, that. Huh? No, <laughs> hell no. Like, I love it. God, oh no. man, go ahead, Jacob. What are your? Thoughts? I mean, okay, so sorry, my bad. No, no, you're good. No, I love no, it. No, no, no. I agree with you. I don't like standard. Uh, <laughs> half PPR is as low as I as actually. I think that's a good balance. Um, but but saying that Godwin is the most trustworthy wide receiver for me, just because he plays in the slot. Evans disappeared earlier in the season, but like you said, when AB came, or yeah, 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 when AB came, he had some blow up games and he's been a consistent wide receiver two, wide receiver one guy. So I look at Godwin and Evans very evenly rest of season as a wide receiver one, two. Now AB is someone that I cannot trust at all just because they tried to force feed him the ball a few weeks back. They gave him 13 targets and on those 13 targets, he got like 57 yards. I mean, like, I think they learned their lesson because last week he only received three targets and caught two of those for 11 yards. So um, AB is not someone that I'm excited for. I wouldn't mind outright cutting him for like a future defensive streamer. If you want to get ahead, if that's your game, like I just don't want AB on my roster. It's Godwin and then Evans for me, but they're very close. Yeah. I mean, I just, Evans, basically has been very touchdown dependent for the most part this season. And Jacob, like you brought up Antonio ran at 13 targets in week 12, but he only had three against Kansas city in a catch-up game. So at that point, like, and you see the catch-up with Kansas city pun that I just did there, that that shouldn't go underappreciated, but (laughs) both Evans and Godwin. Where's the drum set when you need one? (laughs) (laughs) Should be on my soundboard somewhere. (laughs) But uh, both Evans and Godwin, I think are to me, I could see Evans as a, a wide receiver too. Um, but I would feel a lot more comfortable to flex Godwin and still getting a lot of volume. He had, uh, last year he was getting, uh, 11 yards a target and 15.5 yards per catch this year. It's down to 9.1 yards per target and 11.3 yards per catch. 
And those air yards targets are basically he's getting 8.2 yards for air yard target, which is putting him in the Jamison Crowder, Jarvis Landry, and Tyler Boyd territory. So that's what he's turned into this season, uh, which is getting better for PPR. But at the same time, he's not producing like the wide receiver you drafted. So It's not that good for standard, I hear. (laughs) (laughs) You need to update your bio, be like standard league hater or something like that. (laughs) I mean, it is what it is, man. Yeah, everybody's got their uh, their monikers to to roll with and fly with, and I guess that's mine. It's all good. That's all it's good. Great. Let's let's touch on these last two guys here because they both play a position that no one likes talking about, and that's tight yeah. end. We'll just group them together. We'll talk about both real quick. Jacob, starting with you, and that's Logan Thomas and yeah. Johnny Smith. If they're your tight ends, are you comfortable going forward, or are you just streaming the position every week? So I mentioned Logan Thomas as a streaming option this week, despite facing a very tough Steelers defense. You know, Thomas is averaging five and a half targets per game for the whole season and has at least four targets in every single game this year. And that type of volume at the tight end position is rare. So he may be inconsistent with his production, but that weekly potential targets makes him a viable option in all leagues if you don't have one of those top tier tight ends. I agree. Yeah. Um, one thing about Logan Thomas that it's frustrating is he still does lead tight ends and routes run. So he's actually still going out for a lot of passes too. He's not blocking as much. And that's one of the things, if, the, if a tight end's going out for a route, it means that they're able to catch a pass. Right. That's one of the things I like looking at in tight ends and he does that. It's just, he's not always consistent with it. Um, but again, at this point, what else are you going to find? He's third in the team in targets behind McLaurin and McKissick, uh, who both have double digit target shares. But um, and he also will throw and run occasionally too, which can give you those extra uh, points. And um, I, I think he's probably better than most of the streaming options. Uh, did you want to touch on Johnu Smith at all before I go to Derek? Yeah, yeah. Johnu Smith to me is just completely touchdown dependent at this point. I don't think he can be trusted after failing to receive a target last week. You know, it's hard to bench his talent considering the volatility at the position. But I would just rather stream every week, even in the playoffs, then trust Johnu Smith. Derek, what are your thoughts on Mr. Logan Thomas and Johnu Smith? So I'm probably going to be streaming over both of these guys. Like I get if you want to roll Logan Thomas because of the red zone role that he has on his team. Like he, he leads the team in red zone targets with 12. Five of those targets have come in the last three games with Alex Smith. So if you don't have better options, I get it. I really understand it. But his matchups are really damn tough coming up. Pittsburgh is first mm-hmm. in DVOA versus the tight end. Not 30th, not 15th, not 12th, but first. And so I would be probably trying to stream, pull up somebody out of the gutter over Logan Thomas versus them. San Francisco's fifth, Seattle's 13th. Carolina at the very butt end of the season is 18th. So. That's my worries with Logan Thomas. I understand with the red zone role, but with all the routes run, he still hasn't been that good this year outside of his two games versus Dallas, who Dallas has not been able to guard a tight end for the last like two to three seasons. They've been terrible. Their zone defense has been atrocious versus tight ends. Tight ends usually eat them up. That's really Logan Thomas is some of his best games. 
have come against Dallas this year. So I think it's puffed up our perception of him a little bit. His target share has actually fallen with Alex Smith under center. Like it went from 16 to 14%. So I think there's more red flags with Logan Thomas. If you don't have better options, look, I, I get it. Tight end is totally disgusting. It's horrible. And moving over to Johnny Smith, I don't see how you start him at this point. Like, there's no way that you feel confident. There's no way that even if you don't feel confident, how are you putting this guy into your lineups? Like, he's not been the same guy down the stretch that we saw at the beginning of the season. Weeks one through five, he was averaging 6.8 targets per game, 55 yards receiving. He had five touchdowns in those four games. Now, my question with Jonu Smith is not so much what are the Tennessee Titans doing with their passing offense, blah, 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 blah. A guy that is that integral for the first few weeks of the season, and some of those were played with A.J. Brown. Like everybody points to whether it's Corey Davis or whether it's A.J. Brown or or that's the problem for his undoing. Mm-hmm. Jonu Smith in that realm where he is, his production just went <laughs> and blew up. In that realm, he he showed up on the injury report, and we see him playing. I am not going to be surprised if Johnny Smith is one of these guys that after the season is over, we get these reports of Johnny Smith mm. needs offseason surgery. Probably. He was playing through all types of injury shit. That's my biggest concern about Johnny Smith, his effectiveness, because like we're talking about, he didn't even get a damn target last week. He's mm. been more limited in the passing game. I really wonder at this point of the season – if there's a part or piece of the pie that we're not getting from team reports about his health, that is part of the equation of why that production just fell off the damn table. So that's one of the reasons why I can't trust Jainu. I will stream many, many different options. I will go with dart throws. I will go with somebody in a fantastic yeah. matchup, even as gross as it sounds, like this past week, like a Tyler Eifert in a fantastic matchup. Will I stream a, a a guy over Johnny Smith that as long as he gets me a damn touchdown, then he's probably close to top 12 production. If not so considering inside the top 12, I'm more willing to roll with that option over Johnny Smith considering the rest of the season. I agree. I mean, I think people are holding on to John New because they look at how he was early in the season. They're just yep. praying that he gets back to that. But you can't chase what was already happened. You know, he's he's not a, a part of the offense right now. And that's mm-hmm. just the reality. And, you know, it's just like chasing dreams that don't exist. So I would just cut bait, move on, as these two said. And uh, see what else you can find out there because you never know what's out there in that bare tight end market. <laughs> but uh Great job, gentlemen. I think uh, we helped give a lot of people some good advice for their fantasy rosters now. Uh, so we're going to move now forward to our question of the week. Oh, yeah. Down. You got Rick rolled into the question of the week. <laughs> and our question this week is, how long would it take you to throw for 1,000 yards? So think about factors here. So you're outside and the clock starts. You have the football. So you think about how far can you normally throw the amount of yards. Think about the like if your arm's going to get tired after a certain point, it's going to probably decrease right. some. Maybe you throw some underhand. Uh, if that timer goes, how long does it take before you hit the 1,000-yard mark when you're throwing it? So, Derek, I'll start with you. I mean, I could, I could chuck it a pretty decent amount, like 30 yards down the field or so, like 10 minutes, 5 minutes, somewhere around there. I think I'd be in that realm. That's a big difference, 10 and 5 minutes. (laughs) I mean, I'd say 5 minutes. I mean, I think I could throw – I could rip off 
a bunch of 30 yard throws in, okay. in a really short amount of time. Okay. So, okay. So 30, so basically you would do that in uh, just a little over 30 throws then. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I look, I, I might have dad bod and I might not be able to run, but I could still throw a damn ball. That, you got to run out. You got to run after the I ball am, after you throw it. What? Oh, you didn't say that I was catching and then throwing it back to that. me. You didn't stipulate <laughs> no, that. The, running, the running's part of the equation. You got to chase the ball after you throw oh, it. That's ah. not, oh, oh, well, <laughs> hell. That, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. 15 minutes and fine because I, I'm the Byron Leftwich, at least at this point of my life. Um, I, I, I could throw it, but I might not I'm a, a run too damn fast. So give me 15 minutes. <laughs> then he tripled his time after that. Love it. Well, uh, I didn't hear that stipulation. You didn't tell me I had to throw it and then run after the ball. Like, I feel like I'm a, I'm a poor kid playing catch by myself. What is this? <laughs> How many footballs do you think we'd have? Unless we'd have, like, people just go run after you and go. I like Jamal Charles. I mean, come on. I can't throw it up in the air and then go run and catch it. I mean, come on. What kind of budget do you think we have on this show? You got to do everything yourself. I mean, you can't you can't hire like a like a ten year old or something like give him a Snickers bar and tell him to catch the ball and throw it back. Me to offering me? a ten year old a Snickers bar, I think is going to go uh, really well. <laughs> you hungry? Oh no, this just took a turn. That's not where I went oh. at all. Oh, Derek, man, I don't know where you're going with that. Uh, oh. Jacob, what do you, what are your thoughts? What do you think? Oh my gosh! So, are we talking about like a junior high size ball or an actual NFL ball? Because uh, I used to say if it's an NFL ball, ball, there's 30 mile on our yeah. winds in your face. There's no way to catch the ball, apparently. Also, oh, the field is frozen. You're, you're barefoot. Um, here, here you go. These are the, barefoot. This is the, un- this is the underwriting of the contract. Me. This is the underwriting of the contract you didn't get previously. Oh, man, that's a lot of factors. That is a lot Derek's of factors. writing all the rules. Same, just saying. Look, I, 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 look, I did not create this. I'm just reading the contract <laughs> off of it. This is the outline you gave me. I'm saying if I have to run after each ball and stuff, yeah, that's going to take a lot longer. So it was like five to eight minutes before this. Now I need to do the math in my head, and I think it might take me. Oh man, if if it's frozen and it's and it is blizzarding on me, you're barefoot too, and I'm barefoot, (laughs) and I have to throw left-handed, then it might take me a good thirty minutes. Oh, left-handed! I didn't even throw that in there. That was that was extra tricky. (laughs) Extra Uh, tricky. So you but, just look uh, like Blake Bortles on every single pass. I would love that. So love I'm gonna hire game. I'm gonna hire Derek to retrieve mine when I throw it. <laughs> and when I throw it and he brings it back to me, I'll probably say mine would probably be about six or seven minutes. I'm just I, standing nice. thirty yards away from a fence and I'm throwing it at the fence constantly. That's what's happening. <laughs> that's what's that, happening. Forget that's all a loophole this. right there. That, that's actually I, I can't argue with that. That's a good loophole <laughs> you found in our contract here. But uh <laughs> Those are great answers. Let's move to our last segment, and that's going to be our game of the week. It's time to do, 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 do. any Yu-Gi-Oh fans in the house. I was more of a I was more of a Pokemon guy than Yu-Gi-Oh. Same here. Older brother was a big Yu-Gi-Oh fan. What about right. you, Derek? Uh, I'm a little bit older, man. So uh, Transformers and GI Joes, bro. Sick. Oh, I, I feel like a loser now. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what that could sounds I say? Like so much I've, got, I've got Transformers inked on me, so it's all good. Oh, I love that. Uh, so this is this, one of the staples we've played here a couple times on this show, and that's the Twitter followers game. So what I have is 10 players that are not in the league anymore, and you have to guess their Twitter followers. Whoever gets the closest between you two will get the point. I have 10 players, 
So whoever has the most points after 10 wins. Fair yeah. enough. Sound easy? Let's do it. All right, sure. And, <laughs> the high points. <laughs> and it's not Price is Right rule. It's not closest without going over. It's just whoever is numerically closer to it. Oh, man. Make it easy. Oh, I, guess, right? I guess it's good people are not watching this because I was wearing my mountain climbers uniform. But if it's not Price is Right, I'll take that off. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So first guy, running back, Michael Bush. Old Raiders great. And we're going to start with Derek. Oh, hell. Um, 54K. I'll go with 34K. Jacob is closer. It is 38.9K. Hmm. You overestimated how popular Michael Bush yeah, is. Right? I mean, <laughs> what can All I right, say? Jacob. Jacob's up 1-0. Go to the next guy. The Ohio State wide receiver coach, Brian Hartline. Former Dolphins great. Yeah. Jacob, we'll start with you. Of eighteen K. All right, Derek. Um. Oh, good gosh. Um. Sweet hell. I think I went too high. <sighs> He's actually popular. I actually have talked to Heartline. Heartline follows me. Um, it, oh. it's up there, man. Um, subtle brag. All right. <laughs> um, well, humble 80, brag. Man. It's it's eighty or ninety. It's it's above ninety K. What? You are yeah, right. It, it is popular, 100.7. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Brian Hartline. <laughs> yeah, he, he was a he was a nice little slot receiver when he was yeah. in the league. Yeah, dude, um, he's a baller. Good for him. We'll know to our next guy here and we'll start with Derek Ryan Grant, the former Packers running back. Oh, sweet Jesus. Um, I remember him. 28. That was exactly my guess. I guess I'll take the under 27. Oh, Jacob, you should have taken the over. Uh, it's 103K. What? Wow! Dude, really? country, dude. He does a lot on it. He was, wow. I looked at his Twitter yesterday. He has like five posts yesterday. Like, he's active. Wow. That's really surprising. Okay, then. I wow, need good for him. him. All right. Well, Derek took the lead now. He is up two to one. We'll go oh, to our next guy, and that's quarterback Matt Flynn, arguably the biggest bank robber in NFL history. Oh, man. And we'll start with... Uh, Derek for the or we started with Derek for the last one. Sorry, Jacob for this one. Yeah, Flynn definitely robbed the Seahawks there. Oh my goodness. Um uh Matt Flynn. There's no way he's active, is there? I mean I mean what else is there to do? All right, I'm gonna go with uh forty one thousand. All right, Derek. Oh. So I'm going to rebut a little bit before I give you my number here. Um, the biggest <laughs> bank robber in history is actually Sam Bradford, sir, not Matt Ooh. Flynn. That, um I but, like it. That's a that's but, a good thought. Um, I, I right. digress. Um, <laughs> what, what was your guess, Jacob? Forty-one. I'll go. I'll go above. I'll go fifty-two. You guys are bad with these. Uh, oh, guessing the over/under. It's eighteen point three for Matt Flynn. Wow. Okay. Okay. He's very active in the LSU community. I think he does a lot of golfing, but is not like super active. So we are... he's not very good at it because people don't want to follow him for it. Right. <laughs> anyway. We are now at two to two going into question five. And Derek, we're looking at Braylon Edwards. Hmm. Wolverine. I'm going to go with Braylon's probably popular here. 110. Hmm. Yeah, I love Braylon as a Wolverine and as a Brown. He was sick. So, I mean, I'm going to go above me, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure (laughs) he has about like 130,000. He's going to go above me. I went high. I didn't go high enough. Good call. He actually has 231 points. I didn't wow. go high enough. Damn it. He was sick. 
He's got a big following. I, I mean, wow. I know just a little TV here and there, but I did not expect that when I Dude, went to he was a, yesterday. He was a total beast. Uh, he was. I, I love Braylon back in the day. Mm-hmm. I do too. He he was a. Uh, I feel like if he had been on better teams, he would have gotten more recognition too. I agree. Oh yeah, agreed. All right, yeah, let's move to Anderson slinging it to him. Oh, that's right. That was so bad. <laughs> um, let's move to our number six guy here, and that is Kevin Boss, the former Giants tight end. Mm. And we'll start with Jacob. Uh, Kevin Boss, eight thousand. He was a Super Bowl champion. Uh, eight thousand. He was a backup. I've never. I mean, whatever. Have <laughs> you never heard of him? I'll I go did. above that. I mean, I was going to be sarcastic and say two, but I'll go. Above, <laughs> I'll go above that. I'll say. I'll say like. Shit. I'll say like eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah. The correct answer is twenty-seven point two k. There we go. There you go, Derek. Yeah. He uh, runs a like a fitness like studio thing now. Uh, Seems like he's a, a good guy in the community too. So we are tied at three again with four guys left here. I have I'll have an emergency one if for some reason if it's a tie. But um we'll go to the next it, guy. It probably is- won't be. I'll probably I will totally screw this shit up somehow. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't, know. <laughs> don't let the pressure get to you. We uh we have Oh it's um, not. It's not. I'll just fall down instead of taking a knee. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we have the next one, Charlie Batch, the former Pittsburgh quarterback. And we're I was starting a fan of Batch. Man, he was my childhood. You know, he was uh, on the Lions and then the Steelers. I'm going to go. He's probably active. I'm going to go 94. 94, Derek? I don't want to make fun of Jacob and say that it's a sad childhood, but geez. Um... <laughs> I remember watching him on Thanksgiving every year. Oh, as a kid. I, he was awful, a... but hey, man, he's my Thanksgiving. <laughs> and, and at Thanksgiving, you were like, okay, where's the wine? You're not going to have it, Jacob. You can't have it. You can't have it. Right. Um, what was your guess, Jacob? 91, I think. I'll go above that because I know he's done TV work and stuff. I'll go like 125. All right. Well, you went the closest barely, but it's 116.2. So he was a closer. Good job going over. So Derek takes the lead going into question eight. And I threw this one just for you, Derek. You'll start it out. And that is Lance Moore. No, I remember him. Lance has done a lot of stuff. Um, Hmm. One, one twenty. Hmm. <sighs> Old Saints, great. I'm gonna go the Steelers too. He did. Right. He did. He did. I'm gonna go seventy-eight. And what was your guess, Derek? One twenty or somewhere in there. Derek gets it. He gets with his Saints fanhood. It's one seventy-four k. Wow. For Mr. Wow. Lance Moore, very well dressed man. He's got the white suits on in his picture. Nice family yeah. photos. Oh yeah, he's got the family photo. I think I've seen it. What, what, what's his follower count at? One seventy four. Yeah, he's up there, man. Mr. Lance. All right, Ooh. Jacob, you need to come back from down two with these last two. You got to do it. Shoot, this, this yeah. Pressure. Let's hope Derek doesn't go. I've already gold. told you I'm going to lose this, Jacob. Come on, what? man. Let's hope he doesn't go <laughs> Golden State I've, Warriors three one. I've already prophesied this. I've told you. Probability in your favor, Derek. Next guy, former wide receiver Jericho Kachery. Jericho Kachery. Jericho. Jericho Kachery. Like, who, who's, who's Jericho? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long, I forgot to say his name. I love it. Uh, Jacob, I, I think it. we're starting with you this time. Oh, man, I need the advantage of Derek going first. I'm going to – Jericho Kachery, such a cool name. That's going to bump him up 30,000. 
I'm going to go mm, 102. 102. All right, Derek, what do you think? I don't know, man. A guy that – I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Jericho has 82. <laughs> Jericho. <laughs> well, you both went way over. Oh, Derek was closer. 26.8k. You can't trust Jer- a man that's named Jericho. You just can't do it, dude. <laughs> Jericho, yeah, I def- Jer- definitely can't trust. <laughs> he, him. he needs to change his name to Jericho. Well, let's just do the last one for fun, just so that I have it on here, and that's Robert Meacham, mm. former Saints player there too. Saints and I'll go to Derek first. Meacham, uh, 54. 128. Robert Meacham has 6,414 followers. <laughs> I love that you pulled out <laughs> a random low total guy. That's hilarious. I was funny. But he That's only hoping he for. He hasn't been on Twitter since like 2016 or something. So wow. I'm not Robert Meacham. Oh, wow, man. Derek blew me out of the water. No, he, he came to play. He, he, like, he knew the game. Well, he, he kind of played into a lot of Saints guys. I tried to fall on the sword, but apparently <laughs> you wanted to beat me to it. Sorry, Jacob. <laughs> I beat you to it, man. Uh, this is oh, awesome. Man. Well, I want to end the show there. Jacob and Derek, I want to thank you both for coming on with me today. It was an absolute blast diving into these discussions. And uh, Jacob, any projects, writings, or content you're working on you want to plug to the audience? Yeah, so... You can find me on Twitter at Ain't Done Yet, and Done is spelled D-U-N-N-E. I do a weekly streamers articles, uh, Broncos, game previews, and I do my weekly rankings as well, which I'm a part of the Fantasy Pro system. So if you guys want to follow me, and uh, we can go through this crazy season together. Uh, but I just want to thank you, Nick, for having me on. It was it was a blast talking. Who's Nick? Talking fantasy. Oh, oh, oh my God. <laughs> You're confusing me with other pottos. David, where's, I'm so sorry, where's bro. The, where's the eject button on this thing? <laughs> Can we just cut out? Oh, man, I'm so no, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, David. Just for you, but no, go it's ahead, been good. a long night. I'm doubling up podcasts, but thank you guys for having me on. Thank you, gentlemen. It was a pleasure. Of course, Derek, same question for you, man. Any projects, writings, or content you're working on and want to plug? Because I'm going to just block Jacob out for a second. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> No. Oh, that poor man is downed all of his glass of nog, cut him some slack. I know. Um, I mean, he, he was not keeping up with Jericho Cotri's followers on Twitter. I know. So you've got to give this man a little bit of a little bit of slack here. But no, I, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Debro underscore FFB. All my content is spread across uh, FTN Network at FTNFantasy.com, FTNDaily.com, and FTNBets.com. Um, I have my five stats to know article coming out later this week, plus open offensive and defensive line matchups, as well as check out Fade the Chalk podcast. Uh, myself and my co-host Adam Pfeiffer are rocking it four to five times a week, uh, diving in every single Friday to the DFS game by game breakdown, man. So yeah, all the things, all the stuff over at FTN Network. Make sure you follow both these gentlemen on Twitter. They're great follows. They'll help expand your fantasy football knowledge and you might even get jacob calling you nick if you tag him (laughs) if you're lucky (laughs) only if you're so lucky but uh again everybody appreciate you guys listening make sure you subscribe make sure you uh five star the pod really appreciate that thanks for listening and watching and everybody wish you the best of luck in week 13